Hi, everybody. I am here with one of my favorite people, Taxi Lambert. She is a paralegal to Troy Rafferty of Love and Pap Antonio and Rafferty for many years. How many years have you been working with Troy Taxi? Just well, I just had twenty years at my uh, at the. Love and Papantonio Rafferty uh, in June, and I've been I've known Troy forever. Um, my very first trial uh, we was in Texas, and I went with Troy, um, and then kind of drifted around. He went to PI, and um, I stayed in Mass Torts, and I just re probably about four years ago reunited with him. So, in addition to being a paralegal and pretty much running his schedule, working on these huge cases with Troy Rafferty. Um, Taxi is an incredible person. She is radiates light mm -hmm. and wonderful feelings. I've never been around a person and felt more love and just connection. So that being said, she's become a friend of mine and has a very, very powerful story. She is um, a mother and a wife and a great daughter all those good things. But um, I'd like to just, if you're okay with it, Taxi, just tell a little bit about your path and your story and where you are now. As you know, our, our podcast and the book I'm writing, Make It Happen, is about mm -hmm. strong, resilient women who have powerful stories. And the yeah. thing about you is you've gone through a lot of trauma, but you are in such an incredible place of being able to share that story with everyone to sort of bring light to some unbelievable issues that still exists that we want to really um, talk about. So, yeah. So uh, my story begins uh, 23 years ago um, at the age of 17. I was just finishing high school. I was married to a high school sweetheart. Uh, what we knew was uh, love at the time. Uh, we married. Uh, he was joined the military. Uh, we were going around to Italy, uh, stationed in Del Rio, Texas. He was in the Air Force. And um, through my marriage with him, um, we, I constantly dealt with um, infidelity. Um, and when I finally got the, enough strength to um, leave him, um, I was probably in my mid-20s when I finally had the strength to leave him. Um, I came back home to Pensacola uh, at the time. Uh, we had a child together during that marriage, and her name was Desiree, and she um, was, you know, very active um, in in softball and cheerleading. Um, when we come back to Pensacola, I was um, I was a huge part of her life. I really um, put everything I had into her, like like most moms do. Um, your child becomes your best friend because you just devote so much time into molding and sculpting and raising the, your child. So um, through um, my separation with Andy, um, he was finishing up uh, his military career and I had filed for divorce. And while we were um, going through the divorce proceedings, um, he came back to Pensacola and I had, you know, said, you know, it's fine. Cause he actually asked for permission. He was like, is it okay that I come back to Pensacola? And I was like, yes, but we're not together anymore. We've moved on. I've, you know, filed for divorce. I've, I finally found the strength to, to move on without him. Once I actually, um, realized that I had outgrown him, he was still doing some of his 
childish ways um, with the infidelity. Um, and when I finally had enough courage to, to move on without him, I um, had, you know, pushed forward with the divorce. And um, when he wanted to come back, of course, I just said, hey, you know, again, um, you and I aren't together, but you can come back home and, and be a mom to Des. Um, and how, any, how old are you at this time? At this time, I am probably 26 years old. Yes. I mean, so when you think about that, still so yeah. young and yeah, how old was yeah. Des at the time? She was, um, 11 at the time. Okay. So she, you know, he comes back to Pensacola, um, and we're trying to figure out what's working, what isn't working. Um, and you know, within a year of him being back into Pensacola, um, things just had really escalated out of control. Um, the domestic violence had started. Um, and, you know, domestic violence with the two of us, we um, we dealt with that. I dealt with that throughout our, our marriage. Um, well, what's really strange is that, you know, he didn't see that in his family and I didn't, you know, I didn't have domestic violence in my family. So, you know, how that escalated, I still, I, I, I don't know how it escalated on his part. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, he ended up taking the life of our child, Desiree, and, you know, he, ended up um, taking his own life during the same night. So that's where my story begins. Um, but it's not how it ended. So 23 years in my um, grieving and rebuilding my life, I find myself finally um, at peace. Um, I feel like I've had some closure. Um, so, um, you know, domestic violence, it, it's a real thing. Yeah. And I want, I want to first, I mean, I literally am covered in goosebumps and I do yeah. know the story, but each time I hear it or hear more details, it makes me more sad, Yeah, you know, but yet so hopeful too, because like we were talking earlier and my hope is that people like you who are strong, who've, you know, resilient and come back, you'll never get over it. But if you right. can help one person who hears your story and sees your strength and they make a decision to leave a domestic abuse situation because of this story. The hope is that we all learn from it and we can like help others around us who we yeah. may not even know are in this situation. Um, so I guess you had mentioned to me also at one point that um, the people, you have a very close mother and father and you, yeah. you know, lived around, but were you just not talking to them about what was going on? And, you know, that to me is like another thing for someone out there listening to this or hearing your story or someone who maybe suspects that their loved one or their relative or friend is dealing with this. What can you share with us to kind of help those people in these situations? Right. I think for me, because um, every situation is different, for me was is the education, know about your domestic violence shelters, um, know who to call um, or lean on when um, these domestic uh, disturbances happen. Um, empower yourself by getting educated on what we all know as red flags. We have red flags in every mental health, um, sexual abuse, um, sex trafficking. Uh, we should also have them in, with domestic violence too. 
Um, so yeah. I is there, would, is there a local or a, like a national organization that somebody, I just want to kind of, you know, if one person listens to this, that we can help, is there a hotline or something that you know of, or we can, I, find yeah, I only know of our local, um, and it's the Faber house of Northwest Florida. Um, they do promote a, um, hotline, but you can go to favorhouse.org um, for here in our, in our area. Um, we'll definitely take a deeper dive. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, listen, my whole messaging out there is talking to women who are trying to juggle so much in their life. And yeah. you know, most of the working women that I'm talking to are just juggling normal stressors. Like how do I put dinner on the table? Right. And this is so much bigger mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I guess for me, did you work through, were you working this whole time? As, I mean, how do you even like come back to work or have a normal life after something so tragic? Happened? You know, I, I, you know, a lot of people uh, question that. And um, I personally thought I have two ways I can go. I just buried my child and I can either um, start diminishing myself. I can take a route of drugs and alcohol um, I can take my own life. I can have my own mental issues, or I can take the route of rebuilding, staying busy. And let me tell you, for the past 23 years, I have stayed busy. And I, I think because my friends and I, we talk about it all the time. They're like, taxi, your plate overfloweth. And the only thing I can nail it down to is I keep myself busy. So I don't dive deep into those thoughts that I don't need to go to. Um, because if I have too much downtime, then I'll start thinking what I've been through. I'll start thinking about, um, the loss I've had. Um, and I don't want to go there. So me trying to stay busy is, I feel is what has helped me. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the grace of God, he's given me plenty of energy. <laughs> you do have a lot of energy. I mean, you can't even imagine she's busy, you know, running, this, you know, intense practice, Troy's got mm -hmm. one of the most busy legal practices on some of the most prestigious cases in the country, you know, just very impactful cases. She deals with human trafficking as well at work, you know, yeah. which is also a trigger. But what's amazing to me, and this is the, the part where we can pivot and talk a little bit about your rebuilt life, is that mm -hmm. If you, and I mean, I hope all of you out there, women, you know, and men, we, we talk to everybody about trying to juggle and balance everything. To me, sometimes when I'm having a bad day and I think of a story like what Taxi's been through or someone else who's been through so much and then has rebuilt themselves in their life, my very close friend, mm -hmm. um, she lost her son, uh, you know, to suicide. And I do this mm -hmm. event every year. Um, selfless for Scott in his honor and see the same thing with her. She's exactly you. She could have gone. She says the same thing. Like you could just go this way, but she's chose to really build from that. Yeah. And yeah. so what you have now in your life is an amazing daughter. So tell us a little yeah. bit about your life now. Yeah. And um, let's kind of go into like motherhood, juggling all that. Yeah. And some, um, let's tell like a, you've got some really cute, there's a cute story about a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. Love to highlight. Yeah. Um, so and, I have, so I, I hear lately, probably in the past couple of years, I have 
you know, I have rebuilt my life. I have remarried an amazing man. Let me tell you what, a man that would actually marry, because this is his first marriage and hopefully his only marriage, <laughs> a man that would marry a woman. This is where I'm going to cry and marry a woman who has had so much tragedy and trauma in her life to take that on. Because, you know, during our marriage, it, it's it's been loyal and it's been love that um, you know, a lot of the happiness has been like this because of my own feelings that I have carried into our relationship. But what? Um, he has, I just want to give him a shout out and to all the men out there who love women who have had such a tragic, um, you know, uh, background um, and giving them another chance at love and to show to show them and show me how a relationship was supposed to have been so that's beautiful no it's really special and um you know we're building a village around us as Mm. we you know when you look at you know the things that really stood out to me and then we'll definitely talk about your yeah now but it is (laughs) when you talk about your story i mean you're talking about like young love, like going back to when you're so young and you make decisions, you're a completely different person at 16, at 18, and even at 22. I mean, I have a 22 year old daughter and I know she's not who she's going to end up. Then when you're 27, 28, 30, it just changes so much. So, you know, hearing- You're so right on that. Yeah, you're so right because um, I, I've remarried. We have a 12 year old daughter, um, Caitlin, and um, she is total opposite. And that's what I love about her because it shows her she's her own person. Um, Total opposite of Des. Des, um, you know, she cheered and she played um, softball. um, And Caitlin is so artsy. She loves to sing. Um, She plays instruments. um, But what separates me being the mom now at um to what the mom I was at 17 um is she Caitlin has the more anxiety mom worry mom where Des had the mom that was more like a sister I mean I can remember shopping with Des and you know, someone saying, oh, your sister's yelling for you. And I'm like, it's not my sister, it's my daughter. <laughs> so, but now, um, so I always tell, I always tell Caitlin, you know, you've got more of the worry mom now. And um, but I, I, doesn't well, she, I love you. it doesn't mean I love you any less. Yeah. Yeah. She's but, so lucky. And so my favorite story of yeah. um, a lot of the things that we share here are just how challenging it can be because sometimes people look at you taxi, like your friends, you even said that. And they're like, how does she do all that and do it so perfectly? Yeah. So one of the things I want to debunk on this (laughs) podcast is that if you're a working mom, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble many times over. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. And it's the moments that we laugh. Yeah. Together that really end up resonating. So yeah. I know we have a cute story of the working mom that you did yeah. on social media. So, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So seriously working. We um, you know, meeting deadlines at work. Oh, that's my doggy. Oh, come here, Penny. Come here. Come here. Stop it. Meeting deadlines at work. Um 
Oh my gosh. Hush your mouth. Y'all got y'all gonna edit all this, right? Hopefully we will, but if not, we like the we like the whole, you know, whistle thing. Another thing I juggle too. Penny, come here. The come challenges here. of remote work. That's yes. another challenge, right? The funny story is I'm meeting deadlines at work. If busy moms just know this, this is nothing new. We're multitasking on the wife front line, the, the mom front line, the career front line. We're going to a Taylor, we're getting ready to go to a Taylor Swift contest. I, I mean, concert, excuse me. And I realized that, hey, I want to surprise her with shirts um, to travel in. Got these shirts made. Went and picked them up. We wore them to the airport. We wore them things the whole day. Um, Taylor Swift concert, Swifty. Okay, this, oh, we're Swifty. If you're a Taylor Swift fan like my daughter, you're a Swifty. That's yeah. So we, we and we go in and out of Broadway, all downtown. Where I even had this one mom say, "I love your shirt." I'm like, "Oh yeah, thanks. I'm cool." So we get all the way back to the hotel to change. And and that's when Caitlin tells me, Mom, you spelled Swifty wrong. And I'm like, what? It's not with a Y? It's not S-W-I-F-T-Y? She goes, no, it's I-E. And I'm like, oh. And But she did not say what. I'm telling you what. She knew it from the get-go. And that's how I said, why didn't you say it when I gave you the shirt? She goes, I didn't want to, Mama. I just went with it. So then, of course, I Googled the word Swifty. And I, I learned that it's an alcoholic beverage. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant because I need one. <laughs> that is the best story. I mean, yeah. she didn't say anything. That speaks a lot to your yeah. relationship with her. To my daughter would have been like, excuse me, Mom. Like, not yeah. only is this not okay, but you need to go fix this right now. And you know what? I would have been trying to. That's the problem. I had no idea. And I did. And I can remember posting that on social media. And just because it, it, it was a realization for me that, hey, I, I, I'm doing the best I can. I may not get it right all the time. But the, and the number one thing is I was present, regardless if I got the spelling wrong or got the meaning wrong, I was present. And now we get to laugh. I'm working yeah. on a quilt shirt. You know, I collect all the shirts. So we'll be laughing about that. For Hashtag working moms, hashtag yeah. being present. The, and what you just said is everything, yeah. you know, and I do feel so strongly about that because you could be a stay at home mom. And I never, I always said that is the hardest job yeah. I did. That job too. I was home with the kids for a long time before I went back to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I started out as an attorney. I then was home with the kids for a while. And when my youngest was two, and then I had like a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, I had to go back to work because my um, ex-husband didn't have um, his job anymore. And so we needed to pivot and figure things out. And I, mm -hmm. I had to work. And, you know, to me, I always said the hardest job is being a stay-at-home mom. So I never want to knock it. But when you're trying to juggle it all, you are going to make mistakes. Yeah. And when you are with them, and that's so key, it's that what you said, being present is so important. Well, and I'm working on those, I'm working on those picture perfect moments and having that shirt and us celebrating um, this monumental lifetime experience, something that we will remember. And it's not even 
thinking about it now is not even remembering the concert. It's going to be remembering those shirts. And we're we're always going to be older at her wedding and just make a comment about that moment. And I do have a phrase that life happens in the simplest of moments. And it's so true when you are trying to juggle and balance it all. Just remember, if you make a mistake at work, unless you're a surgical nurse, (laughs) yeah, I always have to, you know what? I always say we're not doing surgery. So we make a little mistake in a marketing thing and it happens right to the best of us. So it's just that if you're present, you you know, that's the most important thing. So the kids come home after you're home after work and you're tired. But if you give them that five minutes of just listening to their day, that's yeah. what makes yeah. the difference. Yeah, um, it is what makes the difference. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's an amazing story. So the last thing I want to really talk about that yeah. you've really um, taken a lot of adversity and yeah. really built an incredible legacy for um your daughter who passed Mm -hmm. and that is your you know project formal um Mm -hmm. i'd love for you to just tell us all about that and how that came about and how we can all be involved in it because you know it's it's near and dear to my heart as well it's seriously a, a part of my healing um and i promote it because it truly is a gift from me to my community I um, had the opportunity, this, uh, the dress thing just fell in my lap. And um, when it did, I, I took it and I ran with it. Um, when it was presented to me, uh, Caitlin at the time was looking for a dress. Um, and let me tell you what, we went dress shopping. She, she's a phenomenal singer for a 12-year-old. And when she's on stage singing, um, she wants to feel confident. Because when you feel confident, you're going to perform better. So we went dress shopping and those dresses, they're no joke. And and I just, I, I leaned in and whispered and I said, baby, if you were singing on the stage of the CMA awards, mommy would get this dress for you, but I ain't getting it for a piano voice recital. <laughs> uh, because I know as a woman, we, when we buy dresses, we're going to wear them one time, maybe twice. But for the most part, it's one time. You know, we we tell ourselves we're going to wear it twice, you know, because it, it validates why I'm going to purchase it mm-hmm. uh, for the amount it costs. But um, so we found um, some dresses that a lady was um, ha- she had a her and some moms got together and fa- found a need for some of the um, seniors and juniors over in our county next to us, Santa Rosa. Um, and when I had learned about that, um, prom had already passed and I reached out to one of the moms and I was like, Hey, how do I get a hold of these dresses? I'd like to make a donation. Can I get the dress? Can I get access to the dresses? She said, yes. So we, you know, we've got all the dresses. I found one, gave her a donation. And that's when she says, Hey, I'm not going to move forward with this project. Do you know anyone that would take all these dresses? And it's like the Lord spoke to me. The Lord was like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this and carry your legacy on in memory of Des. Des never got a chance. She only got a chance to go to a fifth grade graduation. Um, And at the time it was like a Sunday's best attire. Um, And I thought, wow, I'm going to do this. But in order for me to do it, I knew I had to become nonprofit to get the backing and the support from the community. So, um, you know, being the paralegal I am, I had to research all that. Um, so I launched the nonprofit in the month of October because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So that's very important to me. 
Um, I will always have that. I know that this is the month that started, you know, in memory of her. Yeah. And we're going to, we'll put this podcast up in October and we'll do a big launch with, you know, everything with social related to domestic violence. We will work on that across the platforms for sure. So yeah, I took, and then, then I went to Troy and I said, Troy, I want to bring this to the community. I want to gift. There's no reason why a student cannot make it to formal events at school because of lack of, uh, formal attire because they, um, they, choose, they, they, let me tell you what kids know their household situations. Um, so they just choose not to go. And I don't want, I've went and partnered with, um, new retail stores. So I'm getting in new dresses. I'm getting in the community oh, has had a good response. It's a, it's a charity yeah. based in Pensacola, Florida called project formal it is, where yeah. taxi and this organization are collecting are they short and long dresses or just long? I, yeah. So I collect all formal dresses. Um, and I, because of the amount of formal dresses that are coming in, I've created this uh, dress cycle. Um, so the dress, well, if, it, if it's not prom appropriate, um, then it gets moved to what we call Night to Shine. And that is a national um, foundation. It's a Tim Tebow foundation. Um, it's called Night to Shine. And the churches back it and they have a prom for disabled uh kids from 14 all the way through seniors uh what about homecoming taxi because i know that's like now in october yeah we just so not that expensive i mean they're pretty expensive also my you know stepdaughter's got homecoming coming up so yes so we take both long and short dresses we uh we're just in our initial year and um after a year we've we dressed 180 students. Amazing. So it made me know that there is a problem in our community. Our community, the ones we're serving, reaches over four counties um, between here all the way to um, Walton County. Let me County. ask you a question. What if we were able, because this is just coming to mind, I don't know why I didn't think about yeah. this before today. Can I start that organization here? Because I know there's so many underprivileged yeah. Yeah. kids here in town. I would love to get it started. Maybe we turn this into an, you know, statewide or a national organization. Yeah. Um, would it be I can do that. Yeah. There's many chapters that they call them chapters. So, um, you know, if you're interested in starting a chapter chapter in your area, um, you know, we can partner and, uh, you know, launch those chapters. In, so I would in love, area. I mean, remember yeah. last year, I just asked a few young girls at the high school if they had any dresses and they walked you, I sent you those. Yes. Yes. Knocking on my door. And there's like these beautiful brand new dresses that these girls wear once. And they were like $300, $400 dresses. I couldn't believe. And they're in pristine condition. Yes. They are. Yes. Because literally they wear them for maybe two hours, maybe just enough to take pictures in. And, you know, so um, and it's very important with our organization that um, the student that comes for a dress, that they look like their peers. Um, I will not, uh, we ask for five years or newer dresses, but um, most of the time we're getting in every dress that's in anybody's closet. And that's why I created the dress cycle, um, because um, if the dress isn't appropriate for a high schooler, um we will move that dress tonight to shine who will put a um, someone that's disabled at age 65, 70, 80, 
um, or 40, that's more appropriate. They, you know, we, we all know what's appropriate for high school and what's appropriate for mom wear. Well, what they wear, I mean, I'm always like, oh, that's kind of a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, I am just so grateful for you that you are, you know, sharing your story. I want this story, Project Formal, your life, your whole mission to resonate if we help one person who hears this podcast, right? Yeah. Hopefully yes. all of you will share this yes. on your social media. The power of social media is so large. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. it's incredible. We're seeing that with you know our own business now with what I do for my company mm-hmm. that I could post a reel. And if it speaks to enough people and you, you really talk about a topic that mm-hmm. everyone's interested in, you know, 10 to 20, 30,000 people can see one reel. And I just hope, I'm going to, I hope with this reel, it does go viral because this mission, this vision, this whole, your story is so Mm -hmm. powerful. I want to share it with as many people as we can Mm -hmm. so that we can make Project Formal a national organization and just help others who have suffered with any type of domestic abuse. And of course, to see this mother, super mom extraordinaire, (laughs) running a busy trial docket for one of the most prestigious, prolific attorneys of our time, Troy Rafferty, at one of the most famous, if not the most famous, you know, mass tort law firm in the country, Mm -hmm. Levin Papantonio Rafferty. I see her daily struggle and juggle with her work life. And what she puts into that is so intense, her intensity in bringing her whole self to work and how much Mm -hmm. she cares. So then she's also doing that as a wife, mom and daughter. And I just can't Mm -hmm. thank you enough for sharing your story. I want to get you back on here again another time. Yeah. Yeah. We can dive in deeper. I'm sorry if I lost it a little bit. I just, I speak passionately. I've got so much, um, you know, more to say on, you know, uh, you know, on the awareness and educating ourselves on domestic violence. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, well, we're going to keep talking through this. We're going to do more, you know, videos just on the topic in general, because the more we can make some of these posts go viral, the more we can educate, you know, explain and, and hopefully help. I mean, if one young woman or a man out there is saved because of the story that you're telling, you know, think about that one voice. So we just want to keep talking about these issues and sharing them with everybody. And I'm just so appreciative of you and my life. And I can't wait to continue to talk about this. You're definitely a chapter in the make it happen. Oh, thank you. That I've been working on. Um, So I appreciate you and thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much.